Welcome to the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. I'm your host, Dan Lewis. Who is the spiritual leader of your family? Is it you, your pastor, your spouse, the media? Do you know? I did. And sadly, no one was taking responsibility to lead our family. Well, friends, someone needs to take that job, and that man is you. You may not feel qualified, and some days I don't. With the help of God and a community of dads helping each other on their journey, you can be the leader your family deserves. We welcome you to the Journey of the Christian Dad podcast. Hi, good morning. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Excited to have you with us today. Normally, we bring a guest on and talk about their story or some insight they bring or some learning they've gone through, struggles, uh, those type things. Usually we do some type of uh, testimonial or um, you know some communication that we've received from somebody saying maybe something they've learned about learned from the podcast or from the community, that type thing. But today this show is different. Had a whole lot of things going on in my life. And what I wanted to do is just kind of share real life with you and the thoughts that come up. So we can have thoughts that serve us and we can have thoughts that that just don't serve us. So I'm going to just jump right in. I'm going to talk about three things. I'm going to talk about a lost wedding ring. I'm going to talk about a situation that we're going through with my brother. And then also going to talk about uh, pressure and stress. So if you've ever had a situation that feels, you know, that you're lost and without hope, this one may be maybe a good one for you to listen to. So with that said, I'm going to jump right in. So here goes the story of my wedding ring. About 19 years ago, we bought my wedding ring from a good friend named Ryan. I pray for Ryan all the time. Ryan's had some struggles and an interesting life. Fantastic guy, but uh, I know there's a better way for him. And uh, anyway, Ryan, if you listen, I'm praying for you. And dude, I thank you so much for selling me my wedding ring. You made that a memorable situation for sure. So wore that wedding ring faithfully and continually. And it was a reminder of my love for my wife. Uh, guys, you know, obviously your wife's wedding ring's a big deal, but uh, mine, mine's a big deal for me too. So I take it off every night before bed. I take it off during difficult workouts, manual labor before I swim, and especially at the beach. I mentioned the beach because the very first day of our vacation was last week, and it was a Friday night. We drop our stuff off at the condo and just run over to the beach. We are so excited to get there. Waves are pretty big. And as I'm on my way into the ocean, I realize I've got my wedding ring on and I need to protect it. And one thing I realize is that I don't really have anything fantastic to protect it with. And the other option is to go about four or five blocks back to the condo and not just jump in and enjoy the beach with my wife and two daughters and, and just get after it. So made a choice. I decided I would put my wedding ring in the cart. The cart, uh, maybe a foot tall and a, you know, rectangular, a real bottom, not a false bottom. Seemed like that'd be pretty good protection. So I carefully placed it in the corner of the cart. I carefully placed my shoes over the top of it 
they weren't tennis shoes they were sandals so the sandals didn't really i couldn't really put the ring in them so i put them under put the ring underneath them and then i placed my hat carefully over the top of the hat and and kind of stuck it into the corner really good where it wouldn't be disturbed the ring would be totally safe and i felt like uh, even if a passerby somehow stumbled into our stuff and was rooting through they wouldn't find the ring so felt good excited got to jump in the water with my kids we didn't have flotation devices uh, we didn't have life jackets we didn't have boogie boards i love to go all the way out to the buoys with my kids but i knew that wasn't going to be the case today so i thought maybe we'd just kind of check out the beach but turns out we got into the water pretty good we were having a blast and you know my daughters are you know, play with us, jump in the water, get in daddy, come on. And and so I went and I got in and took off my shoes and, and, and my shirt and took my hat off. And we, we just had so much fun for hours. And as it turns out, I look up as I'm coming out of the water and I see my wife talking to some random guy that I hadn't seen before. Granted, we just got to the beach and I wasn't really paying attention to much and there really wasn't anybody there. And what I notice is I stand right there next to the cart and I'm extremely concerned something is wrong. As a husband, as a father, as the man of the house, I feel like I absolutely need to go figure out what's happening and make for sure that my wife is safe, make for sure that our possessions are safe, make for sure that my ring is safe. So I not quite run, but I move quickly and I head over. Seems like it's just sort of a regular conversation. Seems like just a normal, regular guy. I uh, had a few beers, somehow got physically close to my wife and they struck up a conversation. Everything seems, seems pretty normal, but I'm still concerned. After a bit, they kind of separate a little bit and my wife starts grabbing some stuff out of the cart and she mentions, hey, your, your ring's in the cart. Like, yeah, yeah. And it kind of reassures me that my ring's in the cart where it should be. Flip side, I'm a little bit also concerned. Uh, I notice my hat is wet. I notice my shoes aren't in the same position. My sandals aren't in the same position. And I start moving things and I start carefully looking for my ring. And it's not in the corner. It hasn't slid down the cart a little ways. I start carefully taking each piece out, lifting it up, looking underneath, and it's just not there. It's gone. And I mentioned to my wife, I'm not feeling good about this. I, I think the ring's gone. Does she have any ideas what may have happened? And she doesn't. You know, the ring should be right where, right where I placed it. We root through, we look around, and uh, it's just not there. It's absolutely gone. So two things come to mind. Where'd this guy come from that's still kind of hanging around for whatever reason? And secondly, well, one, did he take it? Secondly, maybe it was just an accident. Maybe somehow something defied the laws of physics, hooked onto my ring and got it above the four walls of this beach cart and dropped it in the sand somewhere. Or maybe it's somewhere else, possibly on the beach or in the wave somewhere or something. So my mind is racing. How can I find my ring? How did I let this happen? 
Why me? So these are the thoughts that come pouring in. These aren't helpful thoughts. Uh, certainly not going to help me find my ring at the time by asking myself the question of how did I let this happen? That why me? Those are some questions that take you to a dark place and uh, just not good. Just not good. So as we're trying to figure this out, that guy is kind of pacing around around the cart. And I'm thinking to myself, man, you've got to get out of here and quit talking to us. And why not be helpful instead of possibly mashing this ring down into the ground, into the sand further? So I take a deep breath, try to keep my head on straight. My daughters come over, ask what's going on. And I explain to them and ask them if they wouldn't mind helping and I showed them a proper technique to comb our fingers through the sand and to be careful to not crush the ring further into the sand, sift through our fingers, look for the ring. And we, we do that. We spend what felt like hours, the sun's setting. I hear the man again, come back and he's again, not talking very helpful things whatsoever, talking about how tourists lose their rings all the time talking to me about giving me his girlfriend's ex-husband's ring, something like so distracting. And I should have told him, hey, man, get away from my stuff. Get away from my wife. Uh, I want to focus and get find this ring if it's here. And I needed to not, you know, keep walking around on the sand in the most likely place where this room ring most likely is. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, maybe he actually has the ring. And maybe it's in his pocket. Maybe I shouldn't kick this guy out. And maybe some way he's going to feel guilty and give the ring back. I don't know which scenario it is. Or maybe it's the third one where it got randomly moved somewhere on the beach or in the ocean. I didn't think that was likely. I figured it was one of those two things. I would say I was rifling around, but I wasn't. We were very measured. We were very calculated looking for this. The sun was going down and it was starting to get dark quickly. And I heard my wife say, you know, I'm kind of stressed out. It's time to get the kids to the bed. And, uh, you know, I reacted. I was frustrated. And I wanted to plan something with my wife, but this guy was interrupting and stopping us from having a good, productive conversation. So when I heard that comment, I just stopped everything I was doing and grabbed the cart and drug it behind me and headed straight for the condo. And I hear my wife say, where are you headed? I said, well, I've got to get this cart back and we've got to get the kids to bed. We've got to get the girls to bed. So five blocks back to the condo, all I can think about is how I'm failing and not finding the ring. Go to sleep. Actually, I, I went to sleep quickly. I started changing my thoughts and started just praying as I had been on the beach. But before we went to bed, I gathered the girls and, and prayed as a family. You know, I, I often think where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Obviously, that one's from the Bible, but that one's really powerful, having people pray with you and knowing that Jesus is right there with us. So we prayed. The next morning, I woke up incredibly early and went down to the beach and started combing again. I combed a 15 by 15 foot area as carefully as I could, and I didn't find the ring. So I figured I needed to take a break, 
went and did a four mile beach run in the the heat, the humidity, and uh, you know, really, really put some exertion into it. I needed to to get that weight off my shoulders. So on the, on the way back, I made it back to the spot, checked again, and still no ring and really no hope at that point of even finding the ring. I felt like we had done everything we could to find it. Got back to the hotel room and I forget whose idea that came up. It may have been my daughter's. It may have been my wife. I'm really not sure, but they said, Hey, what about a metal detector? And I'm thinking to myself, man, we're on vacation. We're in the world on a Saturday morning at maybe seven o'clock in the morning, am I going to find a wedding ring? (laughs) And as I'm recording this, (laughs) Vernon, Vernon, I'm going to talk to you, talk about you in just a bit. My buddy Vernon just sent me a text and says he's praying for my brother right now. Oh, gave me chills. We're going to talk about my brother here in a bit, not related to the beach story. So the metal detector comes up. I have no idea how to find this thing, find a metal detector that's available on a Saturday morning at seven o'clock. I start searching, you know, Google, looking for places that rent metal detectors, who's open. None of them open until eight o'clock. I start calling and leaving messages and trying to find something. Somebody does answer and he says they do have a metal detector that I can rent. However, it's out on loan. He has no idea when it's going to come back. Everybody else is closed until Monday just super, super frustrating that I can't figure out some way to get a metal detector or even buy one. I'd have bought a metal detector at this point. Not that my ring was expensive. It wasn't. (laughs) If I had to replace it, I had a conversation with my wife that we could just pick up a $10 ring and I'd be good. Uh, You know, I much more value vacations and retirement and taking care of other things, definitely not having a piece of metal on my finger. The piece of metal only symbolizes uh, the love we have for each other. And, you know, the diamonds and all that stuff just aren't important to me. My thoughts started changing. The questions started changing. I, I, during this time, I kept thinking to myself, don't panic. Don't panic. Ask God for help. You need to display your faith, my faith, in front of the family. You need to be a leader, be an example. You need to live what you believe and be an example for your daughters. You got to stand firm in the faith. And I kept thinking to myself, how can I do that? What's the best thing I can do in this moment? Right now, what's the next thing I can do? How can I act out of love and not allow anxiety, frustration, anger to take over and lash out at anybody that's close to me? How can I shine that Christian light to people that I'm going to come in contact with? Instead of why me, I thought about who can possibly help? Who can possibly help? I thought, you know what? They've got Facebook groups. Let me check them out. So I went to the like buy, sell, trade or local community group where I was at and I posted there. And the funny thing was the admin rejected it because it violated the spirit of their community. (laughs) Well, that's not really a community I want to be a part of if they're not 
willing to help find a wedding ring and somehow that was offensive to them. Just unbelievable. So like just one more thing that could have set me off. In the meantime, I'm part of this workout group called F3. It stands for fitness, fellowship, and faith. And I thought, let me just make a post. I've been checking them out, looking to connect with the local Florida guys. And I'm like, I'll, I'll post on their page. Within maybe 15 minutes, I get a response from a guy named David Kelly. Never heard of the guy. Don't know how he's tied into everything. But he says he didn't have a metal detector, but he'd share it with some guys he thought might be able to help. And within minutes, there's a guy named Anthony Young. Anthony, thank you, thank you, thank you. He's an F3 guy, an F3 brother that, I, again, I didn't know, never heard of any response. He says, man, I got two metal detectors and a son who loves to hunt for treasures. We could be there in a few hours. He left his phone number even, so I, I called him. He answers, and I you know, say, hey, I'm Dan Lewis. I'm that guy that lost a wedding ring. You know, I'm that knucklehead. How could this happen? Dude, I'm so thankful that you're willing to help if you're still willing. He says, I am. And I'd come right this second, except for I just did this brutal workout and I need some time to recover. I'm currently laying on the couch and <laughs> hurting pretty bad. We reconnect a little while later and he's like, I, I can make it out there. How about 1230? <laughs> well, <laughs> 8.30, 9.30, 10.30, 12.30, 2.30, 30, didn't matter to me. He was the guy with the metal detector, and apparently they experienced knowing how to use them. So I was like, dude, that would be an answered prayer if you could get out here at 12.30. Well, he'd heard my story about the four-mile run, and one of his questions was, do you have any idea where it might be? <laughs> I laughed. I'm like, yeah. It's like in this 15 by 15, maybe 20 by 20 spaces where I think the most likely place for this ring to be. Uh, which gave him a sense of relief that he had a possibility of finding this thing. So sure enough, 1230, he pulls up, actually brings his wife, his two kids, his daughter, wonderful, and his son, just an amazing kid himself as well. We shoot right over to the beach and he starts getting his gear all set up and shows me how it works. And his son, Benjamin, starts moving his over and he's got the weaker of the two metal detectors. He's moving it over the spot and I'll be darned if it doesn't keep beeping. And it sounds like it's a stronger beep in this one spot. And they had this sand sifter thing that they had brought with them. I grabbed that and I just dove for that spot. I'm like, I think he found it. It was right next to where the cart was. We had kind of marked it out and I was, I was certain that we were going to find it. I dive in there, I pull this sand sifter, pull this big clunk of sand, start sifting through. Within a couple of shakes, I see this piece of metal up towards the top. <sighs> Take a deep breath. I'm hopeful. I pull the ring out. Look at it. It is my ring. That is my ring. Just, there it was. I couldn't believe I was seeing my ring again and I felt that emotion that just overcome like of thankfulness and gratitude and tears and <sighs> looking at the guy's wife I'm like this this is it this is the ring I'm looking at the the son Benjamin and he's got this look on his face of disbelief like 
I've never found anything on the beach before of value. And I found this. He's got this pure joy on his face. And I don't know exactly what Anthony was thinking, but I look at him and he's got this, you know, like relief, joy, excitement. I think maybe he was feeling some pressure, like he had the gear and he had to find this thing, but could be pretty hopeless because they'd never found anything good on the beach before. But my gosh, there it is, you know, hope, belief, trust. Oh, I was so, so, so thankful. And it was just, just a pure, pure wedding ring, a pure miracle that, that we found my wedding ring. Oh, a 12 year old boy named Benjamin found the wedding ring. I shook, my hands trembled. I was on my, my hands and knees and tears just flowing from my eyes. I wanted to say something, but I could only bow my head and just weep tears of joy and thankfulness. Just weak, broken, sobbing. But at the same time, redeemed and amazed and overwhelmed with gratitude and love, I put the ring on. It still fit. I gazed at it, pure amazement and relief. So thankful that a 12-year-old boy who had never found anything with a metal detector of any significance found my ring. I was so thankful for David Kelly sharing it, thankful for the brotherhood that is F3, thankful for Anthony who answered my plea and rushed his family to help me in a desperate time of need. Thankful, my God is a faithful God, thankful I believed, trusted, and I never lost hope. Having hope uh, makes all the difference, makes all the difference. Breathed a sigh of relief, and I was ready for the rest of whatever adventures this vacation brought our way. And we had many more challenges. We had three days of rain. We had lightning, uh, which then destroys all outdoor plans. Florida lightning is vicious. The heat, the red tide that, that we battled through, but we ended up having a great, loving, uh, you know, family vacation. And I so appreciated that opportunity, although it was so stressful, but that opportunity to switch my mindset and really show, show what I believed in my family and, and have that example could have gone a different direction. It really could have gone a different direction. I did react poorly when I left the beach, but it was the best I could do in that moment. So I apologized to my wife and um, thankfully she accepted my apology and we had a, a just wonderful vacation after that. Anyway, change your thoughts, change your questions, stand firm in the faith, rely on God, ask others for help, ask others for prayers. Pray with your family, lead your family in prayer, all kinds of different, I would say learning, but practical. Like you got to apply what you'd learn and what you talk about, what you believe. And when others ask for advice, those are some of the things I would give them for advice. So thankfully, I re remembered in that moment and moments to just keep pressing on and uh, stand, standing firm in the faith. So that's that one. Here's the second one. Here's the second one. So as we're getting ready to go on vacation, 
my brother and uh, his family were having some coughs and different things like that. Didn't really think it was a big deal, but he, he let me know that uh, his daughter was having a little, you know, whatever. And they were being cautious. Things went a different direction and uh, his daughter's boyfriend uh, got hospitalized. And a while later, uh, I get a text from him that lets me know that he's also not doing well and he possibly has COVID. And, um, you know, I thought he's younger, he's pretty healthy, he'll be fine. I'll say a prayer for him. I'll let him know that I'm praying for him. I'll ask others to pray for him. And I'll kind of go about life. Stay in communication with him. Text with him. We get back from vacation. It's confirmed he does have COVID. And, uh, of course, we stay away from him. I ask him, you know, if he's doing anything proactive to, to help. And he says, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing some stuff. And we kind of leave it like that. Well, that communication continues. He's not really able to talk on the phone. So we're texting and he asked for canned oxygen. Well, he's done the research to figure out where you can get it and how you can get it and tells me what locations even have it in stock for him. So I stop everything that I was doing, run and grab him some proactive vitamins and things in addition to the canned air, as much of it that I could buy take it to him, ask him how things are. And he says, you know, the breathing's difficult. The breathing's a challenge. He says the canned air was helping. So I was taken aback a bit that he was actually needing to use canned air, thinking about how old he is, thinking about, you know, he's my brother. He's healthy. Everything's going to be fine. Keep letting him know I'm praying for him. Pray with my family. Keep pulling my daughters in, you know, Two or more are gathered, two or more are gathered, bringing my wife in family prayers pretty often for my brother. His wife's affected too, but she's doing okay. And I keep asking my brother, you know, what when he's going to make the decision to go to the hospital. Uh, the canned air just scared me, scared me, scared me. Somehow he had gotten a hold of a monitor to check his breathing so he'd know what his oxygen number was or whatever. I'm still not quite sure what that is, but 98, apparently you don't need to go to the hospital and 94 is pretty bad and 92 is like really bad and you need continuous oxygen being fed to you. And then after that, you go to a ventilator. So at one point he shoots me a text and he says, Hey, I need to ask you something. I have a question for you. And that is, if something goes wrong, will you take care of my wife and daughters? I pause. I was close by my wife. She's like, what? What? I'm like, you just sent me this text, and this is what it said. And tears just came to my eyes as I'm picturing my, my younger brother's possible death but I think to myself everything's going to be okay everything's going to be okay dear God take care of my brother take care of my brother give him the wisdom to make good decisions help the 
vitamins, help the canned air, help the prescription medication that he's going to be receiving, you know, help him through this. And the next day I get another text from him that says, Hey, the canned air is helping. Can you get some more for me? I could use some more. So I stop what I'm doing and I go grab as much of it as I can buy and bring it to him, drop it off on his porch and just leave, you know, send them a text, let them know that it's there. And I get another text and that text says, Hey, I just want to let you know, I wrote out my will. I wrote out my will. I'll send you a copy. It's got the signatures on it needed so that it's legal. I think to myself, oh my goodness, this is really going the wrong direction. This is bad. So again, I send him a text. Hey man, I'm praying for you. I hope everything's, you know, I hope you're doing okay. I hope you're getting the oxygen you need. Uh, and I'm thinking to myself, man, if you updated your will, what else have you updated? What else is important? Think of the C.S. Lewis quote. I don't have it exact, but the C.S. Lewis quote goes something like, something about, you know, is God real? And it's of, it's either of utmost importance or it's of no importance whatsoever. But one thing it isn't is kind of important. It's either the most important thing or not important at all. So if God's real, that one's really important. God's not real, then it doesn't matter at all. But one thing it's not is kind of that lukewarm, eh, you know, I believe today, tomorrow I don't kind of thing. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I, I haven't dove into this with him in over text. I don't know where this is going to go or what the words are. And I'm literally praying for what I can say to my brother over text to, you know, not put him off or, but, but I, I want to know, and I want him to know, and I want to make sure that if something does go wrong, that he goes to heaven. I just couldn't let that go by. So I finally do feel like whatever words I send maybe aren't the perfect words, but I got to hit send on something. So I let him know that I've been talking to God and praying and ask him if he's also been talking to God. And he replies back, yeah, I have. I have been talking to God. Up to this point, the responses I gotten where I mentioned who's been praying for him and when and how, and I got, thank you, appreciate the prayers. But that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, he's in line with God. It doesn't necessarily mean that he's believing in our Lord, our Savior, and the cross. <sighs> he, he might not have been in a good place with God at this time. I, I didn't know. So I had to ask. I had to know that he was right with God. These are the things I think about. How can the people closest to us or the people that we can be most afraid to have real conversations with? So I was so thankful to hear that, yeah, he'd been talking to God, that he's been praying. 
Oh, it's a load off my mind. I'm going to continue to send them more texts. I'm going to continue to communicate with them. I'm going to continue to make for sure that he's right with God and that uh, no matter what happens, he did send me a text that said, he's good. God is good. And that whatever happens, happens. He trusts God. He believes in him. So I'm relieved. I feel like my brother will go to heaven if God calls him. So I, pr I pray that doesn't happen. He sent me another text and it says, I hope my three-year-old daughter has a daddy. Oh, he might not have been able to hear that. He says, I hope my three-year-old daughter has a daddy. I hope so too, Mike. I hope so too. Oh, so when you're around people that are having struggle, it's great to send them a note and let them know what you're praying for and what you're specifically praying for. You may ask them specifically what they'd like you to pray for. I sent a few friends a text this morning and a couple of them called as it, they replied via text, but they also called. That meant so much to me. So Vernon, thanks for the text. I, I didn't text you, but you texted me. You saw, you saw my post in a Facebook group. So thank you. I appreciate that. My fantastic friend, Larry calls. It just talks to me, mainly let me talk to him. Mainly he listened. And I thanked him for praying. He let me know that a small group he's a part of also prayed and they recorded the prayer and they're going to send it over to me so I can forward it to my brother to let him know that, that many people are praying for him. My workout groups that I'm a part of F3, we've been praying for him every day. It's just awesome to work out in the morning with a group of guys and be able to get that off my chest and be able to pray as a group uh, for my brother. So I bring Vernon up. Vernon, he's got a devotionally run. So this morning I did my devotional with my group that I run. Feel free, Dan Luigs, L-U-I-G-S, uh, on version is where I run it. So feel friend me. I'll gladly invite you to the devotionals I run. But I felt like I was missing something this morning. So I don't always add something to Vernon's group. But I checked out Vernon's devotional this morning, and the verse that was in it was Exodus 14, 14. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. I was able to screenshot that, send that to my brother. And I'm thinking to myself, Wow, what a fantastic verse to read today. When times are tough, go to the Word, go to the truth, go to the Bible. And the Word, the Word said, the Lord himself is fighting for my brother. Just stay calm. 365 times in the Bible, it says, 
Don't have anxiety. Fear not. Be not afraid. Don't be anxious. Cast away your fears. 365 times. Don't be afraid. I got you. I got you. How awesome is it to know that God is there? He may heal my brother. He may not. But there's a, a purpose. There's meaning. God's will will be done. I've got to believe and trust him and know the Lord himself is fighting for my brother. Just stay calm. And I'll add and pray. And ask others for prayer and communicate with others. Ask for help. The support I've received has just been so, so helpful. And being able to pray with my family, I feel like I'm doing something. I feel like I'm helping. As a man, I want to do something. And I'm powerless. God is powerful. And I can ask for his help. And I was reassuring, asking my brother what we could do for his family. It was nice that he let me know what he actually physically needed. But after he had all the proactive things he could get his hands on, he replied back with pray. Prayers. So the power of prayer, being able to gather the people around you to pray. So whether it's your workout group, whether it's your church group, whether it's your whatever groups you're a part of, uh, groups and gathering and community, don't be the lone wolf. Don't be that person that buries their head in the sand and pretends things aren't going on or pretends that the lies that come into your head that nobody cares, nobody cares about you, nobody's concerned about you. Uh, they're just not true. People do care. People are concerned for you. God cares about you. So we're two or more gathered in my name. There I am in the midst of them. God's there with you. So that's story number two. That's situation number two. These things are happening right now. So a third thing that's came along is sometimes I feel pressure. Sometimes things get to me where I feel like I could be doing a better job. I could be a better leader. I could be, I could get more stuff done. Things that might be in my control or might not be in my control. I need to find a way to, to influence, to directly do, find somebody who can, I, who can help. But there's some things that just aren't in my control. And I struggle with that. I struggle with that. Sometimes the burden just is on me. And I get, I get wound tight sometimes. Most people don't ever see it. I had a fantastic lunch with a friend of mine, Max, yesterday. Max is a guy that just lets things roll off his back. <laughs> Except at lunch, he says, no. As my wife sees it, Anna sees it. He says, my close friends that are around me more often, he goes, they get to see it. Not that I want them to see it, but he goes, yeah, stuff gets to me. He goes, you know, it gets to all of us. So, and you see people out there and you know everything's perfect with them. Now things get to them too. And so it was nice just getting to share things with Max yesterday at lunch and him sharing back with me. And with that, 
knowing that other people go through struggle as well. And at the same time, I've been reading the word and just getting that message that, you know, anxiety and struggle and the burden I place on myself, uh, the Olympics are happening and hearing all of the mental struggles the athletes are going through for many different reasons, but uh, social media playing a large part in that. It's like, man, I, I'm I'm feeling for the Olympic athletes because I feel like I've been going through some struggle right now myself personally. I'm not comparing myself to Simone Biles with with what she went through, but I just felt like uh, I could emphasize with her. Uh, certain things were were on me too, were on me as well, and just realizing that uh, I don't have to have that burden. Things, many things, I can't control. The emotions uh, that come in, I can recognize them and I can figure out a way to get through them. I can listen to God and, you know, not like the, let the anxiety get, get me. So today, another prayer thing that I'm a part of came over and I'll read it to you. The inspiration for today. Have you ever met an unhappy Christian? It is sad when we encounter other believers who have negative spirits because this is not how God called us to live. Rather than acting unhappy, we should be glad because we serve a mighty and loving God. Why would the world want us to have what we have, eternal hope, if we act miserable? If you are in a season of bitterness, ask God to change your heart and fill it with gladness. So I'm, I'm personally not in a season of bitterness. However, anxiety has been on me. I don't always have anxiety, but a lot of stuff's been going on and things I take responsibility for and ownership of. And I'm realizing some of these things I don't have control over. So uh, if I'm going to take ownership, I need to take ownership of the things I can control as opposed to things that I can't. When you take ownership of things you have zero control over in the lunch I had with Max yesterday, we talked about that. I didn't prompt him, but that was his response. He's like, the things I can't control, I've, I've got to let go. You know, you can learn from things, but when it's something you truly can't control, you got to let that go. So, oh, I just wanted to share that with you and want to encourage you to, you know, be loving, come from a place of love, think thoughts that come from a place of love, not from struggle, not from strife. So when we go to, think when we go to problem solve, when we go to pray, when we're coming from strife and struggle and anxiety, we need to fight through that and ask more powerful questions. We need to link arms with others. Uh, we need to reach out to our buddies and have them help us, have them help us through, uh, reach out to God, ask for help, ask for better questions, uh, turn the tide, be strong, be firm in the faith. Thank you all for listening. Feel free to let me know how this one struck you. Feel free to let me know if you got any advice. Feel free to just tell me that you're praying for, for me and my family in this time. I'm going to try to get this one edit, edited today and get this one out today. So if you catch this one on the day it's released, it's a right now thing. So thank you all. Thank you, men. Thank you, women. Thank you, everybody who's listening. Yeah, I just appreciate you. And uh Thank you so much. Thank you for your prayers and thank you for helping me through this time. So appreciate you guys. And uh, God, thank you for healing my brother. I believe that's what you're doing in this moment. Oh, and 
before I let you guys go, I got this crazy text that uh, my brother had checked into the hospital. I may or may not have mentioned that earlier. They actually released him. They said his vital signs are so good they can't keep him. Well, he feels horrible and terrible. So he's one of those guys that wouldn't have gone to the hospital unless he felt horrible. Like he is a strong, strong dude. And I even told him, you know, I know this other strong dude. And he said what he would have done differently is he would have gone to the hospital much sooner when he had symptoms. And I know my brother held out until the very end. And uh, anyway, they released him. They said his vitals are so good that they could not keep him. So I know he's still struggling at home. However, I'm looking at that as a, as a good sign. I'm looking at that as a really good sign that, uh, that things are progressing. So I pray that they continue. I pray that uh, this is relieved. I pray that this helps bring him closer to God and closer to Christ and helps him on his journey. And I, I pray that this podcast episode helps you on your journey and helps you help others on their journey. Thank you, God. Love you, man. See you. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. Thank you guys for being a light. Shine that light out and let others see it with you guys. Part of this community, it helps me be accountable to you guys. It helps me be accountable to myself, be accountable to God and Jesus. I hope you appreciated this episode and picked up some great things. hope you like the challenge and hope you can execute on that challenge this week. I ask of you, please subscribe, share the show with others. Join us inside of the Journey of a Christian Dad on Facebook, inside our private community. Share that community with others. Have your buddies join. Have other dads that are looking to grow in their faith, grow as spiritual leaders of their family. As we engage in our journey and be intentional with it, we can help others grow theirs as well. We thank you again for listening. We thank you for all your reviews. Look forward to reading a review of yours on a future show. So, dear God, Thanks for blessing all of us, and thanks for drawing us closer to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Have fun, guys.